Welcome back to another episode of Force Proximity. We're a husband and wife team that read romance books and watch romance movies. I'm romance reader Jonathan, and with me is my wife, romance writer Megan. This week, we have Shipped by Angie Hockman. <laughs> I forgot the name of the book, and you paused before you said it, and I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> I... <laughs> Well, shipped by Angie Hockman, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, before we get into anything, we still have our challenge: hundred ratings by July fourth. Just go ahead and give us a five star on Apple Podcast or a thumbs up on whatever you're listening to us on. Uh, if you have any questions for the show, you're gonna have to go to Patreon and pay us to ask. <laughs> <laughs> or yes. you can uh, leave a comment in the Apple review section or the review section, Apple Podcast, or DM us on Instagram at Force Proximity Podcast, which means you would have to pay. So, whatever. All right. <laughs> Shipped. Do you want to do trivia first, and then we'll get into the book? Um. Or do you not have a trivia? I have a trivia. I have a trivia-ish. All right, let's do it. Okay. Well, let's just... <sighs> This book takes place like seventy-five percent of the book in the Galapagos. Yeah, which is really cool. It's a, I don't know. I kept thinking about Schitt's Creek when I was reading this. Oh yeah, I was thinking of uh, Master and Commander. Ah, I should have been thinking about Master and Commander. Well, I did when they were talking about when there was the one scene about the turtles. I thought about Master and Commander. I kept thinking of that little kid with the one arm. Uh-huh. And how he's collecting all the, the animals and bugs and stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, I kept thinking Schitt's Creek. That's a good <laughs> thing to think. Well, and I, and I realized I thought the Galapagos Islands were like way down off the coast of South America, like where Tierra del Fuego was. I didn't realize they're off Central America. It's on I the had Pacific no idea. Side, I don't know right? why. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's like the Caribbean islands, but the other side of that that spit of land. Yeah. And, oh, is it I that mean, close? I mean, yeah. Re- relatively I mean, speaking, I mean, it's off the coast of like Costa Rica. Okay. Right. I mean, maybe I'm getting my geography. Very wrong. I'm uh, not very good at Central South American geography. It just all I'm, that to say, I was was very surprised at how reachable the Galapagos Islands were. For some reason, I remember learning about these islands when I was in elementary school, and I thought nobody goes there. It's it's except a few, like two researchers live it's on the on island. the equator, and it's just like it is to Ecuador as. Bermuda is to the Carolinas. Yeah. If that makes sense to anybody. Yes. Yeah. Well, it makes sense to me. It's like, it's on that same uh, latitude. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, not the same latitude. It's crazy. Yeah. It's on the equator. Bermuda's not on the equator. They're <sighs> on the same latitude as 
the state. Ecuador. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. As Bermuda would be on I the same sorry. latitude as the Carolinas. I am sorry. That's what you no, meant. No. Yeah. That's what I meant. Sorry. If I wasn't clear. I, I just didn't know. I thought it was way down and way out, like in the middle of the Pacific, like south of Hawaii. But oh, is, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. that's what I was picked. That's what I've always pictured in my head. Well, and that's when, when I first thought of this book, I'm thinking the Galapagos, that doesn't make any sense, but it does because I, they're not as you know, far out there as I thought. I know where it is and yes. I'm familiar with the Galapagos and I still confuse it with Madagascar. Oh, that's way wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And not really confuse it, but it like brings up this, like if I think of Galapagos, I also immediately think of, think Madagascar. of Madagascar. Like the cartoon Madagascar? Of course. Okay. Both, really. Okay. I don't... I think of sea turtles and nothing else when I think of the... Well, now I have a a much better picture of the Galapagos Islands because of this book. And I really appreciated that. And I feel like I've learned a lot. And I feel like there is, you know, an actual culture on the Galapagos rather than just rocks and sea turtles. And iguanas. Well, I didn't know there were iguanas. I thought it was an island completely inhabited by sea turtles that was just a bunch of black rocks peeking out of the ocean and no humans. And I thought it was a place only, like, you needed to have your scientist card to go there. And, uh, yeah, I was just very wrong. And I'm glad. I would go to the Galapagos now. Yeah. So, yeah, I so because of that, I do have Galapagos themed. It's not trivia. It's uh, fun and wacky facts. Okay. So because, I don't have to answer anything? So you don't know. Well, I'll, I might for, rephrase them into questions. Okay. Please do that because it's fun. Yeah. But I thought since there's minimal, you know, there's a I minimal chance of, that you're going to yeah, answer the questions I don't know much right. about it. Uh, how much of the Galapagos is a national park? Like percentage, one hundred percent, ninety-seven percent. I was close. Um, the Galapagos National Park, established sixty years ago through a presidential decree, has taken the lead in facility. Which president? I don't think it's ours. I think it's an Ecuadorian president. So, do you are you familiar with the Ecuadorian presidents well <laughs> enough for? I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if it was Teddy Roosevelt. No, it's uh, it is a UNESCO biosphere reserve. Okay, so it is heavily, heavily protected. Good. Which is yeah. Um. Okay, number two. This is just a fact. Galapagos has active volcanoes. Which do we? I feel like we learned that in this book. I don't think we do. They don't go up to. Oh, they do go up to Volcano. I thought so. Yeah. And it was an active one. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is interesting to me. The number of islands is up for debate. This is something I was also unclear on. I thought the Galapagos were two islands, and it is not. It is a series of islands, large and small, which is why this book 
which takes it doesn't take place completely in the Galapagos. It takes place on a cruise around the Galapagos. Mm-hmm. So, and it's these two um, two American people. One is from uh, Seattle, and one is from Detroit. From Michigan. Well, Michigan. Ann Arbor. Okay. Oh yes, Ann Arbor. I thought Detroit was wrong. One is from Michigan. They meet it's pretty close. They work together because he works remotely and then they travel and they have to go on a cruise for their work because they work for a cruise line. Um, and it's a really cool cruise line. We're going to talk about that. So the Galapagos Islands are comprised of a total of 19 islands and dozens of islets. I didn't I didn't know islet was a word. Um However, keep in mind that due to continuous volcanic activity, the Galapagos Islands are in constant state of change with new formations emerging or sinking, meaning new islands may very well be forming as we speak. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, uh. Penguins in the Northern Hemisphere? So the Galapagos hugs the equator, which is why one one might consider this place tropical. However, the island's climate is unique thanks to the intersection of various marine and air currents. A piece of the archipelago along the northern coast of Isabella happens to be the only place in the northern hemisphere where you can see penguins in their natural habitat. I always wonder if penguins live there. The Galapagos penguin is the second smallest species of its kind and is typically observed on the western islands of Isabella and Fernandina. Some colonies can be found within the central islands and as far south as Floriana. Marine iguanas are excellent swimmers. Nearly 20% of the marine life in the islands is endemic to the area. This includes... Marine iguanas, the only lizards in the world who enjoy water so much that they learned how to swim in it. And they feed almost entirely on algae. Anytime is a great place to visit. I, yeah, I would assume so since it's it's right on the equator. (laughs) It probably is always the same. Ocean temperatures around 79 degrees Fahrenheit. And... It's warm and humid otherwise. Wouldn't expect anything else. Nope. (laughs) At the equator. During the dry season, there is some brown. Um, But the amount of daylight remains the same all year, of course. Okay, long live the Galapagos giant tortoise. The average Galapagos giant tortoise can live well over a century. Their longevity is the highest of any vertebrate on land. Seeing them is truly, seeing them in the wild is truly something unique. That would be so awesome. I would like to. To see a hundred year old turtle? Yeah. Uh, Well, don't sea turtles live a long time too, if they make it? Yeah, that's why this is the, the oldest, like, land vertebrate the the longest living land vertebrate yeah well the longest living water vertebrate wouldn't be a turtle what is it is that shark that 400 year old shark oh yeah 
up in Greenland. Is that a fluke? That it's that the old vampire shark. The vamp- it, the, it's a Greenland shark. Well, but yeah, the nickname is a vampire shark because they live forever. Huh? Because they don't hardly move. Well, and that that ties into the the theory of like Deborah Harkness's theory of vampires that their bodies are just so efficient. Yeah, and they don't ex- expend a lot of energy. That shark. Yeah. That shark is proving <laughs> fantasy to be. <laughs> to or be they real. took they took cues from that shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is an intersection of three tectonic plates. Uh, let's read about Darwin because that's that's the second thing I know about the Galapagos. Uh, follow followed Charles Darwin's footsteps by exploring the same islands and sites that he visited back in 1835. Visitors get to learn from Galapagos National Park certified naturalist guides about how the theory of natural selection was first conceived here. And of course, they can take a selfie at Charles Darwin's monument. There's a bunch of fish. The word Galapago. (laughs) Galapago now. (laughs) And the island's iconic turtles. It is a Castilian word meaning riding saddle, which, you know, the tortoises do look like they're wearing saddles. Don't they ride turtles in the Swiss family Robinson? No, maybe. I thought they I thought they did. I don't know. I know they ride the ostrich. Yeah, I thought they had a turtle, too. I feel like that, you know, even though it looks like a saddle... It would be, be really bad for their joints. Yeah. Um, less than 79,000 tourists visit Galapagos annually. Not a lot of people go there, and that is better. The geology is constantly in flux. Ocean currents are unpredictable. Wild animals do have very little fear of humans. And you can indeed leave your message in a barrel, hoping for some. So we're gonna have to talk about that. Some somebody who lives near you to go and carry your message back home. I think we should just touch on that now because I don't think it'll come up in our conversation. I don't think so either. So in the part in the part in the book, they where I don't they, even know they where they go to visit the world's first post office. Is what the what it was claimed on the tour. In, no, in that region. It, oh, in that that region? region's first post office. Oh, okay. And apparently, you just leave a postcard there, and you don't put any um, postage on it. And visitors, when visitors come, they take it. Yes. And then they deliver it. It's just they hand deliver it to yeah. wherever it needs to go. Yeah, and it, it's. I was hoping there was going to be they. You don't put something like that in a book. And have it not come back later on. And it did. And it did. And I like the way it, I like the way it came back. Yeah. So we will talk about that. I think we'll talk about that part, but yeah. just the explanation. All right. Are we ready for my blurb? Mm-hmm. Shipped by Angie Hockman. Henley Rose Evans is a digital marketing employee for Sequest Cruises. Right. Sequest. Sequest. Yeah. A small company that specializes in long-term cruises to amazing locations. Mm-hmm. Henley is up for the newly opened position of director of digital marketing. 
I think I got that right. Yep. And she is a shoe in She's a busy little worker bee. She excels at her job and has amazing eye for detail. The only problem is Graham, who is also good at the same job with seemingly virtuosity levels of competence. <laughs> That's good. He is. He is a. He's oh a yeah. Virtuoso. He's a total jerk. <laughs> According to Henley, yeah. head of marketing, head of the marketing department, James decides it would be a good idea for both of them to each take a cruise to research what customers experience and have a better feel for what the marketing needs. Mm-hmm. Henley decides to choose a cruise to the Galapagos and takes her kid sister Walsh along with her. Everything's okay until Henley realizes that jerk Ram also chose the Galapagos. As the two interact, Graham does not realize that he's in a battle with Henley and doesn't and doesn't understand why she is so hostile towards him. <laughs> Henley explains that it's because Graham, over a video conference, took credit for work that she did. Mm-hmm. After explaining that he didn't even realize what the conversation was on the conference because, one, he was not all checked in mentally. And two, he had a crappy company phone that kept cutting out. So he heard his name and said, oh, uh, thank you, because he thought that was the most appropriate thing to say at the time. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. We'll talk about that more. So that cleared the air. The animosity cleared up between the two of them, and they start beginning a friendly relationship. That goes into Graham explaining his situation of his past few years and how Henley in fact saved him mm-hmm. without him actually meeting her and without her even knowing. Yeah. Sparks fly, romance ensues. If the boats are rocking, y- you know the rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, see... <laughs> That being said, <laughs> this isn't a romance novel. No. It's a women's fiction. It is. Or chiclet. Which uh it's romance, but she says it's a romance she says it's women's fiction. Oh, she does? Mm-hmm. Okay. I it's romantic women's fiction. There you go. But it is which is why it works for our podcast. Yeah. But I'm seeing a lot of people not loving this book. And I I want to say with the disclaimer that it is women's fiction with a strong romantic subplot, maybe that like you just need to go into it knowing that. And uh, let's see. Okay, so this book is compared to The Hating Game a lot. I, that's not fair. Well, first of all, it's not fair to to pair it or to to compare it with the the best modern romance novel. That's like, not that's you can't not what I mean anything. though. Because they're not even remotely the same story except for they're both going for I feel like they're very much the same. You think so? Yeah, I think of all the comparisons I read for The Hating Game, like The Hating Game was where I started reading romance. And and I I kind of put it off for a few months. I saw it and I thought, "Mm, I'm 
I like that color, but I just don't like what is romance? Like that can't be good. And then I finally read it and it's like, give me every romance novel every written ever written, but none of them compared to the hating game. Kiss quotient. No. It's good. It's very good. I, I love the character. Nothing will ever be as good to me oh, as, to you. as the hating yeah. game. Um Yeah. Well I think I think do you want to break the book down or do you want to get into the questions and break it down as we answer? Well, I do. I don't want to break the book down. I want to um, talk about why. I want to talk about some things first, though. Okay. Um, so, so I want to talk about why it's compared to The Hating Game because it is an office enemies to lovers sit trope. I mean, the office is, you know, a cruise in the Galapagos, but Henley is working the whole time. Can you have an unrequited enemy? (laughs) Yeah. Because Graham had no idea he was an enemy to lover's trope. Neither did Josh. He didn't? No. Oh, okay. He thought they were playing a game. He thought they were both. He thought like she was just as much into this game playing than he was. So you know how like in twenty five percent of the way through the hating game, and he kisses her on the elevator. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like comes out of nowhere. He doesn't think it's coming out of nowhere. He thinks there's been this long standing mutual attraction. So if I act on it finally, because we finally reached the point where I cannot keep doing this, like I'm going to call call out our situation right now. And she's like, this is out of the blue. But it wasn't, it wasn't out of the him. blue to yeah, him because he thought they were both. Grant, Grant didn't have that antagonizing behavior that Josh had. Like he wasn't playing a game. No. He couldn't. He was like. The worst he did was give like very terse email replies, which which weren't he was just being efficient. Yes, he wasn't being rude. He was just saying the answer he gave was the right answer, and that's all that needed to be said in his opinion. Yeah, he didn't need to fluff it up for her. Right, who and she's not his boss. Yeah, but she kind of thought she was. Yeah, that was weird. I hated her at the beginning. Me too. <laughs> I hated her stupid emails. Like, like oh can you gosh. be a little nicer in your emails? Like, no. Oh, I don't have time. No, and like, I don't just, want. And I don't want is, to. This is freaking work. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna spend a long like. But her. Uh, but the work was her life. Right. It was her life. Yeah. So she wanted him to take it as serious as. Uh, and as infuriating is infuriating as that is, I think that's so true for so many women. Well, t- tell me about it. What's my profession? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you work with a lot of Henleys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, teachers, here's a little tip. If like you're upset about pay, which we don't get paid crazy amount. Stop working for free. Yeah. 
Yeah, but my work will suffer. So what? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and then your contract gets a, not renewed. Yep. I don't know. And then you go get a job that's not in education and you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you, yeah. Okay. Well, so, okay. So what makes this not, what makes this women's fiction not a romance is. Yeah. Explain that to me. Graham to doesn't, us. Graham is already perfect. He doesn't have to grow. That's a cinnamon roll, isn't it? Yes, and I would. He grew a little ask, bit. He didn't need to. That, no, it I was, think that was put in there to appease. For, uh, yeah, to appease certain readers or to appease Henley. I guess. Yeah, I. I what? I I attributed that like his little ending speech with like that was just lip service. Like it felt like it. Yeah, it felt like it. Yeah, I didn't. Not that I didn't buy it. I didn't like it. I didn't either. I didn't think he had anything think, to apologize for. I didn't, and I didn't think she needed to write that in there. I I don't think so either. Um, we'll get to that. I think towards the end. Yeah. Well, we're not unpacking the book, so that doesn't. We'll get know. to it. Okay. Mm. So, um, but yeah, that's usually my book that I wrote. My romance, and that's the thing. Like these rom coms. Rom com equals chiclet. Like. It's it's pretty much the same thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like you can tell because Henley has to be the one to grow, mm-hmm. and I hope to God that she grows mentally. <laughs> so as because of her her growth in the job, so she does grow. She just grow. <laughs> they show her growing. In her career. Yeah. So it's kind of like her immaturity was rewarded a little bit because she was kind of, she was immature throughout the whole story. Anytime something happened with Graham, she handled it immaturely. Um, But yet in the end, she stood up for herself and I think it was just really lucky that she had like the world's like shittiest boss. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, it's seriously lucky for her because if he was competent at all, th- she wouldn't have gotten her happy ever after no. with her career. You don't think so? No, I still don't think she was that competent. She needs to quit and be a teacher. Yeah. No offense to teachers, but. That that just seems like a better career for her. She doesn't seem like a corporate. Yeah, I don't know. I I think she. Yeah, she like I could have seen her as a professor or something. No, she's not smart enough. All right, so. No, I'm talking like second grade teacher. She's cutesy. She likes to dress like cute, quirky clothes. She. Likes to work for free. She should be like, you know, grading spelling tests for a living. Yeah. Like she's not. I I don't think she was written as a very intelligent human human being. I like this book. 
I like it a whole lot because I feel like these are real people. But I feel like a lot of women who have these jobs and they're just like working like dogs to make it up the career ladder. And for what? Like, why even bother? At least when you're teaching, like you're working like a dog for the kids, kids, other people. This is just so a company can get rich off of your, your productivity. Well, I mean, that kind of get that gets cleared up at the end, though. That's because she felt like she got real lucky. Yeah. Yeah, she wanted to be an executive. I don't think she was executive material. But fine. She ended up, that is a Cinderella moment for her that she ended up hey, becoming Hey, strike while the iron's hot and she did it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Okay, so the enemies to lovers, and it's kind of rivals to lovers. That's more appropriate than enemies. It, he he sees it as rivals to lovers. She sees it as she enemies. She sees it as Graham was her enemy. But he's right. Right. Uh, yeah. And you can't have a more like mature, healthy, emotional, well, emotionally healthy, yeah, character than Graham. I know. Uh, so in the beginning, he t- top top tier. Yes, of of people. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think I think she was put in this book, her own book, to to uh, contrast Graham's like perfection. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I I really liked him. And he didn't, it mean, it wasn't like he was an angel. He was just, you know, the average guy. But he was a really good average guy. He was very self-reflective and self-aware. Yeah. And that's what made him a great character. Yeah. He reminded me a lot of Jake from How to Fail at Flirting. Is that his name? The hero of How to Fail at Flirting. Yes. I, I don't remember, but yes, he does remind me of that person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the beginning, Henley is emailing Graham. She's at home working on a project, doing a paper because she has her MBA to finish and on her to-do list, like ensure Graham has done his job. Like, yeah, that's not your job. He's your coworker, right? Yeah. Um, so she goes and checks, and of course he hasn't, because he is such a dipshit, and he cannot be trusted to do the work that he was hired for, because all he wants to do is make small talk with the boss, because patriarchy. So this is the type of character Henley is. And then right away, (sighs) he puts her in her place. He took her down a peg, that's for sure. Without being mean. I know. Just stating just the facts, ma'am. I know. (laughs) So she's like, excuse me, have you done this assignment that you're supposed to do? And he writes back soon. Yeah. Soon. G. And she's like, soon. Like, define soon, sir. (laughs) And she thinks that's zinging it to him. Yeah. Every interaction with him at the beginning was like... uh, 
<laughs> she's just just add a bubble gum, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, I'll get to it. He's like, bigger problems. And she's like, What can be what bigger you- than what I want right now? Exactly. Me, 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 me she now. She's such she's gonna be the worst executive. She's such a micromanager. Ugh. Um <laughs> And he's like, did you notice that there was like a huge volcano and a lot of our cruise members or cruise guests took great footage of it? And that is trending now on social media. Thank you very much. Posted that instead of your shitty post that you always post. Deals on flights, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, kind of like a huff, like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Why does he have to be right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agreed with not liking her at first. Yeah. I thought, I I thought I was going to hate this book so much. And then Graham showed up and I was like, I want to read more about this guy. (laughs) Yep. No, that was my, in my first answer to our questions. That's what I have down. (laughs) um but then okay so here's where i'm going to talk about why i love the book so much because most modern day you know enemies to lovers is like everyone's favorite trope after the hating game like everyone just wants to re to have that first experience of reading josh and lucy and their weird banter and and we can't get that first experience so i feel like we're all still chasing that high of the hating game and so everybody loves enemies to lovers and authors are giving us lots of enemies but isn't that a fun trope because of what you can do with it yeah but it's very poorly it's often very poorly reasoned. Like your book was enemies to lovers ish ish because of their first date at the bar, the blind date. Yeah, ish. Ish. Yeah. And I probably it's probably a poorly reasoned one, but I feel like I ended the enemies to lovers ish. You, I feel you like ended that, it quickly. Yeah, because that wasn't my trope. That wasn't what I was going for. Like as the number one trope of the book. Um, but uh, 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 so uh, uh, this uh, is an ex. Sorry, the right stuff. <laughs> this is an example of enemies to lovers where every nitpicky thing that that creates an enemy's situation in Henley's mind is so well reasoned. It's it's really plausible. So I feel like this is my second favorite enemies to lovers book. Whoa. Yeah. If you are searching for the high of the hating game, this is it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't hold the hating game as high a regard as you do. I know. Because, like, th- all these books kind of run together for me. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, that's high praise from you, then. It is. I That's why I read this book in a day. I don't read books in a day. Yeah, you read it through hockey. Not I, that you watch <laughs> hockey, 
<laughs> I just can't concentrate when the TV's on. But you did. I did, yeah. Um, and yeah. folks, there's a lot of hockey on in our house because it's the playoffs. <laughs> and I love it. I'm brainwashing Hank to love it. Yes. <laughs> so she read the entire book. Was it a day? It was a day. Because you finished at night when we were sleeping, when everyone was sleeping, I would imagine. Yeah. And then I finished the book that I started the day before. So I finished two books in two days. That do- <laughs> that does not happen. That's crazy. Um, But this book, this is, and it was paperback. Yeah. I rarely finish book. I rarely pick up books in paperback, but it was like, uh, I knew this was coming out. Let's see how bad it is. So. <laughs> I read the first page and I was like, "Yep, bad." <laughs> I didn't think so. We'll get we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to why I think it's something okay. very specific and nitpicky like you have a nitpicky thing. I yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so Angie, if you are listening to our podcast, first of all, thank you. Second, we do love your book. Yeah. Like, okay, so yeah, because it's so it's an author that thinks things through. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's well, going to be my nitpick. But. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think she's an author who thinks things through. Uh, 99% I agree. Because how there are so many. We don't read the enemies to lovers that don't work. No. Because I, I don't like enemies to lovers anymore because they all are just so stupid. Like you wouldn't hate somebody for that. That's a dumb reason. It's, These little mis like one miscommunication that could have been, you know, you could have just talked it out and you wouldn't hate each other anymore. That's always my problem with them. It's like, why didn't you just say something? But this is there's reasons why she doesn't. She couldn't because he wasn't around to say anything. Well, and then the thing is like she hates this guy because of I need a coaster. Because of what what he did, like, and it turns out he didn't do the thing that she thinks he did. So he, she came up with this. She she edited a viral vi- a video that went viral, and he posted it. So their boss got on the phone and said, "Well done, Graham, for doing creating this video that went, you know, went that viral. exploded. Yeah, helped the company. Um, Henley, why don't you do stuff like this?" And, and she's like, bitch, I made that video. And she doesn't say anything. She's just tongue-tied. She's like, uh, is, I'm really getting no credit for this. This is my video. And that's when he said, thank you. And he, yeah, and his phone crackles and he says, thank you. So and, she thinks he straight up stole the credit. Right. But. And that's a good reason to dislike somebody. It is. It is. And. He, but he didn't steal a credit. That's what I was saying. Like, right. He just said thank you because he didn't hear what the whole conversation was. And I loved that too. <laughs> and he like just how, like, uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. How many times does that happen? Like, you're just like, you're zoning out or something. And usually it's not a result of a bad phone connection. No. Usually you just like are zoning you're out. Or you're, Minecraft you're or something. thinking about the hockey game last night and then you hear your name and you're like, uh, oh, uh, yeah, thank you. And he got caught. I, he got caught by this woman disliking him for a year because of that. Yeah. And then, and then she's, he, and she even says like, 
I should have said something. I should have said, hey, that's my video. And I gave it to Graham. And Graham might have heard that and he would have been like, oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, of course. And then he would have been up up the creek without a paddle. Like, why'd you say that the first time then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why'd you take credit for it, fool? Uh, but then she she goes on and she says, here's the thing. I've worked with Graham's type before. He might have the whole nice guy facade down to a science but I knew the truth. He was a sneaky, entitled user who was willing to do whatever it took to get ahead. Yeah. That's a good reason not to like somebody. Cause, just because of past experiences. Yes. Yeah. And when you, when you hear that, that's – and you already have some kind of like PTSD light from a situation that happened before. Yeah, you're just more aware. You have Yeah. And then later on he he's okay, and then the next day she finds out that they're both up for the same job. That like you said, the director of digital marketing. Yeah. I did say that. I I know. <laughs> I'm I am now expanding on it. Because I think it's important. It, it it all like adds into my why this E to L works. E to L? Yeah. Enemies to lovers. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so. Uh, my, my thingies are coming off my book. Her tabs and her thingies. So then halfway through the book, he realized, so, okay, so they're up for the same promotion. They haven't even met yet, but they're up for the same promotion. Um, and she's upset. like, he's not even here. Right. Like, he doesn't even work here. And then the boss is like, we'll, we'll relocate him. And she's like, you already have plans to hire this guy. Like, I don't have to her, much of a To shot. her defense, that's true. I know. I know I'm saying like she was wise enough to realize that. Like you're already like willing to relocate that and you say it that nonchalant, you're gonna hire this guy. I know. And but, so what I'm saying, like Henley grows on you. Like she does yeah. not stay this like I, I wonder if that was um by design or just organically happened that way. I don't know. I feel like this book wasn't plotted. Which is right up your alley of how you Yeah, write. I feel like it was pants written and But no, it was plotted. It must have been because you understand why at the end he was gonna hire Graham anyway. He was never gonna hire her. Right. Cause he needed her ideas. He was stealing her ideas. Yeah, but you can you can pants that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, writing, <laughs> writing books. Anyway, I can write papers. I feel like pants writing uses more emotional reasoning than plotting. Okay, so it makes it more realistic. I, I yeah, I really feel like that is true. I'm sorry if you're a, a plotter. I'm sorry if this book is plotted and I'm like, you know, 
doing it a disservice by calling it a pants, but it's not. It's not. So anyway, so then he find he realizes halfway through their their uh their cruise that they're mm-hmm. on, which is not like you know carnival cruise ship. Yeah, it is like there are sixty people aboard this little ship. Is this, these cruise ships are smaller. To make it like a more personal experience, I guess. Right. And they can go places other, like the big cruise lines yeah, can't. Like they can go up rivers and stuff. And to the Galapagos. Oh, yeah. Big cruise ships can't go there. Um, right. So yeah. that's a big deal. Like it's a very intimate experience. The The guests are getting to know each other. And they're getting to know um, Graham and Henley they're kind of rooting for Graham and Henley to get together because they know they work together and they see this flirtation happening. But Graham, halfway through, he's like, he realizes this is about more than than just the competition for jobs. Like, this this woman hates me and yeah. I don't know why. And he has no clue. So guess what he does? He asks her. Yeah. What the hell is your deal, lady? Like, what did I, can you please tell me, what did I do? I must, there must have been something. So can we talk about why you don't like me? This is not just that we're competing for the same position. Because, because the whole time she thinks he's gonna, she's like guarding her, her work. Yeah. She's afraid to share anything with him. And they're they're becoming friends. They're well. They're as they're getting more friendly. She's feeling like she's tightening, like she's holding her cards even closer she's to her, her chest. pearls. That's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you're shocked by scandalous behavior. Oh, um, <laughs> she's holding her clar- cards a lot closer, and he's like, "This is there's got to be something." So she and then she says, and he's like, "No, you're wrong." I would never do something like that. But you did, jerk. I know. So she's like, no, this is exactly what happened. And he says, was that in my first two weeks? Oh, I had this dumb phone that cut out. And I probably just said thank you to save my butt because I don't remember that conversation even happening. And I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I loved that. Which is even more aggravating. Yeah. Cause what do you mean you weren't time... paying attention? No. <laughs> but then then she's like, well, I've hated him for no reason for a year. Yeah. And from afar. And meanwhile, he is, I think he's already admitted the f- the fact that, like, he's been through some really hard times. Mm-hmm. and And when he... When he would get on the conference calls every Tuesday or every Thursday, whenever they were, and he would see her face and her sheer smiley sunshininess and her like quirky little dresses, like he like that like pulled him through the yeah. hard time, and it just became this thing like like he started to look forward to it, and then he started to like really look forward to it and then by the by the time they actually met he was like already in love with her and i i love that i thought that was evident and he like he hit it well like he, he was playing it out like a normal dude and he wasn't like you know all up creepy, on her yeah. yeah he was like like dr kozlov <laughs> yes 
Um, and then I think at the end, again, there is another point. Oh, so when they start getting really close and she is still holding her work cards closer and closer and closer. And she's still reluctant to like let things actually happen with Graham, even though she is starting to use the L word too. Like, she's like, okay, well, let me go back and let me explain. Cause this has happened before. Like I've gotten close to a work person before and I thought it was a thing. I thought it was like a workplace romance and they stole everything I did. So that even makes sense. So she carries this trope, this enemies to lovers on Henley's side, of course, all the way through until until then. And I thought that was really that was really brilliant for one thing, because she can add to the sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think it's it's very well reasoned. And we don't get that because I think in in every author's haste to just churn out enemies to lovers because that's what the market wants. Like we get some not well thought out plots. And this isn't a plotty book. This is this is more angsty because the the conflict is coming from Henley's head. We have this competition between or the rivalry of the job. And and that's also interesting. Like, you know, in the hating game, you know they're up for the same job, but he also kind of has, like, you know he's hiding something about it, too. And in the hating game, he's gone out and found himself a new job because he knows he doesn't want to compete with Lucy. In this one, Graham absolutely wants this job, yeah. and he's the right person for it. Yes. And I thought that was interesting. Like, our our heroine is not the right person for this job. She is using it as a stepping stone to get to, like, to get to be an executive. She doesn't care. This is Graham's stopping point. Like, this is the, this is his dream job, and he's amazing at it. And he's ha- he's done this job, but for Ford, like he's done this job already in a bigger company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he can handle it. You know, he was like created for it. Like you said, he was a virtuoso of digital marketing. Like he deserves the job. But, but who do you root for? And he doesn't have that plan up his sleeve. Like he needs this job to get to her. Yeah. Like he needs it to move to Seattle. He can find another digital marketing job in Seattle, but he wants to work for Sequest. To be honest, I forgot a lot of the book that they were competing for a job. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Because the because the main conflict was coming from her. Yeah. Right. I forgot the they secondary were... conflict is coming from the job. Yes. Yeah. I forgot there is even a job at stake for a lot of the book. Yeah. So you want to get into the questions or you got more? No, I do. I want to get into the questions. (laughs) (laughs) What a confusing answer that was. (laughs) Do you want to get into the questions? Do you have more? No, I do want to get into the questions. What? (laughs) All right. So. Initial reaction to the book, did it hook you immediately or did it take some time? I'll go first. Okay. I'm going to go first in the questions. Yeah, you should always Because if I don't, Megan, 
Not steals your not, answers. No, I just end up agreeing with you. Yeah. So I loved it right away. I was into it right away. I thought the pacing was great. Henley was aggravating. Yeah. Graham was mysterious and intriguing. Yeah. Walsh added that flair at the beginning. Like, what is this little side story? Uh, Okay, so you enjoyed the Walsh. I did. Okay. And it's just a great start to a book, I thought. Yeah. Like, it just... It hooked you right away. I was hooked after page three. Well, I mean, I can't tell what page... No, no, no. I will stop after page one. If page one... Page one for me was rocky. I read... This is the first paragraph. Every time I collect my mail from the paint splattered box in the lobby and see my name printed over and over in bold black ink, I'm reminded that I'm named after a rock star. Blah, blah, blah. My name is Henley Rose Evans, and my parents consciously named me after the lead singer and drummer of every boomer's favorite easy easy listening band, the Eagles. (sighs) Obviously... You think that's a punchy start to a novel. But it is it the right start to a novel when it's like just floating out there having nothing to do with the story? Like, yeah, it does things. It introduces the name of the character. Fine. I don't think we need to know the main character's first name if it's in first person. My The main problem I have is... If it's your name, it's your name from the start. You don't think about your namesake ever because it's been your name in kindergarten and first grade and second grade and third grade and fourth grade when everybody's learning your names again and again over from like, yeah, they're learning your name. That is your name. You take possession of your name as soon as you know to call yourself by your Your name name is henley you know your name is henley before you well well before you know who the eagles are yeah that's some that's some like oh i was named after the don henley that's cool fine and you never think about it again (laughs) right yeah well unless maybe you're thinking maybe you're listening to the eagles and you're like i was named after that guy okay fine and well this to me, it's well, like this is in so real, insincere. In real life, you're correct. I know. But when you are named as an adult, and your existence is on paper, exactly, it makes sense. You might not like it, but it makes sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's bad. Okay. Like you are. You just wanted to like. You know, knock down the Eagles, like every boomer's favorite soft rock, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like you had that phrase in your mind and you're like, I wonder what book I can work this into. Like, it didn't have anything to do with this story. Yeah, they didn't really talk about it ever again. She didn't. And even like when Walsh popped up, like Walsh, the sister. Yeah. Did they even mention like she is also named after Joe Walsh from also the Eagles? Like I like they let that slip 
Why couldn't they let Henley? I think it would have been really cool if they had two characters named Henley and Walsh and let us figure it out for themselves, for ourselves. Yeah. But I don't know how many, you know, romantic women's fiction readers actually know the names of the Eagles members. They probably, uh, I'm not going to say they probably don't. That's not fair. They might. I don't know. Well, that's why I posed it as a question, because I don't know how many. I imagine it's not many. And it's not like, I mean, the Eagles are, you know, they are a huge band. So people would know that. I don't know. I just think it's a really, I just read, I'm like, give me a break. Just <laughs> like, what, what book can I start with this stupid phrase that I like this joke that I'm so witty. <laughs> That's what I read. And so I closed the book. I put it down. And then I kept feeling guilty, like, and then I just picked it up again. I was like, all right, maybe we can read it for the podcast. And I I started reading it by page three. I'm like, all right, I don't like Henley, but this dude Graham sounds interesting. And then and then I read that she works for Sequest and they're going to send them to the Galapagos. And I was like, that's cool. And I like Graham. And he was walking around at a graveyard, and obviously his mom's dead. And I I love that idea. <laughs> so I am sticking with it. And then I and then I really You love the idea of the husband's wife or husband's mom being dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because I'm writing that in my book right now. But Yeah, I do. I think it gives it's like automatic depth. I I'm know, kidding. I know. I'm saying it as not a joke. I'm saying you're right, but for non-joking reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it gives an automatic soft side. Okay, we know this guy. Like, he's not only, like, has he lost his mother, he's visiting her grave. So that means he actually, you know, he has something that he once cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I liked that idea. I liked that, um, they're communicating via email and he just started to text her. I thought that was like a surreptitious and they don't mention it in the book. Yeah. Like he just, they just slip into a text message conversation. So if she would have done that with the names, that would have been better. Like yes. Had she handled the name the same way she handled the I text messages. I thought it was heavy handed. Put it in later. But don't start a book just because like this is like a whammy of a start. Like I, I hate that. I it's so I ugh, I read it so often, like like a just the randomness of the first few lines of a book because authors are told they need a really, you know, a Point, whopper of an start. opening. Yeah. And so their start is just floating out here in space and it's not connected to the story. I I don't care how punchy of a start it is. It doesn't make me want to keep reading. And especially if it's something as dumb as like every time I see my name, I'm reminded of my namesake. No, you're not. That is your name. Yeah. When you broke it down like that, like when you're a kid, you're going to learn your name before you learn the Eagles. 
and you're it'll you will have known your name is Henley for probably a good eleven or twelve years before you recognize what the Eagles are. Yeah. Even if your parents remind you of that frequently, they don't remind you of that every time they're teaching you to no. write your name. Hank, our son Hank is named after Henrik Lundqvist. In part. In part. To me, he's not. To me, and fully, he's named after Henrik Lundqvist. Your part, yes. And if you're not familiar, he used to be a goalie for the New York Rangers. And he's kind of retired. I don't know. Is he not retired? No, he still plays for the Capitol, or he's still a member of the Capitals. But he had open heart surgery. Oh, I didn't know that. So he had to sit the season out. I still think it was a broken heart because he got bought out by the Rangers. Aww. But <laughs> Poor Hank. <laughs> but I don't remind Hank every time I say his name. Hey, you're you're named after the best goalie in Rangers history. Yeah, I mean, how many hundreds of a, hundreds of times a day do we say that kid's name? Like, we're not thinking about Henrik Lundqvist anymore. And we're the ones that actually named him after Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Like, we knew Henrik Lundqvist before we knew Hank, our son. So, yeah, that's not on our radar anymore. And if it's your name, like, Hank's name is very personal to him. Yes. Like, he he loves his name. (laughs) He loves his name, and he is the only Hank. He's not thinking about who he's named after. And his middle name, too, is named after something. And he's like, and he is the wolf. And <laughs> like he is, he identifies himself only when he sees those words. Yeah. He's, it's just, that part is not well-reasoned. Yeah. Well, it's a punchy opening, and it to me, those don't work. The, the punch didn't land for you. I didn't think of. Because it rings false. It's like a joke. That doesn't, that's not true and therefore not funny. It's like if you try to create a stereotype and like nobody from that culture actually acts like that, it's not funny. Yeah. Yeah, not every boomer likes the Eagles. No, that part is true. (laughs) No, it's my parents are boomers. They don't like the Eagles. Well, they don't like soft rock either. I think they say every, every boomer's favorite soft rock. Okay, touche. You're right. You're right. You're right. And that is true. But I just feel like I have this joke. I'm going to start with this, regardless of what it has to do with. Ugh, I I really hate that. And I've read a lot of books like that that start out with this super punchy opening that's just, okay, great. Let's just get on with the story. Because obviously, you don't actually think of Don Henley whenever, ever, no, whenever you, you see wouldn't. Henley Rose. You wouldn't. All right. Number two. <laughs> Wait, was that what worked for me? Yeah. No, oh, no, that no. Was the that was the initial reaction. That did the book hook, hook you in. After that, it it really hooked me. So number two, what worked and what didn't work for you? So I've been I've been kind of like casting it out there for you of what didn't work for me. Yeah. And just like teasing you with it. I am. I'm dense. I don't know what it is that so I should have So what caught. did not work for me was the lip sync battle. That. Okay, not the What I- clues have you been giving me that the lip sync battle didn't work for you? Okay, not a lot. Oh. So okay. not the idea of a lip sync lip sync battle, which is not like a great thing, but fine, whatever. It's it's funny, they're fun. It was something you would do on a cruise. Okay. 
great. Graham's lip sync segment was super cringy to me. The ABBA song? Yeah. I... Mm, it just... Uh, I didn't like it. I don't like it either. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like that he like bursted out of his shell to do this, to win her over, because the weird Russian chiropractor was hitting on Henley. Yeah. That... Obviously, she didn't like him by her body language. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I can't find... I wouldn't try to look for it in the book, but... Yeah. Just reading, was like, ooh. (laughs) I don't like this. (laughs) No, I get it. I I think I was, like, phoning it in for myself that I was enjoying that moment. I really... I kind of... It's like, fine, whatever. I'll give it to her. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't love it either. Um, I had some other lines. It's like, this is really nitpicky for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I just thought there were weird lines. Like when they were in bed, it was after the cruise, I believe. Well, they only, there's only like one sort, one time where they like physically consummate the relationship. Yeah. And that was after the cruise. And she said something about wanting to lick his delectable skin. I was like, nobody talks like that. <laughs> really? I I mean, I don't talk like that. <laughs> but uh, That's why I'm saying it's nitpicky. I, I wonder about that. See, I don't think nobody talks like that. I think, what is wrong with me that I don't think these things? Really? Yeah, that's how I think when I read them. Okay. I think. And like when I asked you when we were in line for dinner at the food truck yeah a friday night and i was like do you smell people <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking like i don't and i was I am... thinking like right now no i don't smell anything weird <laughs> <laughs> because i never smell people's scents <laughs> i think you <laughs> you asked <laughs> do you smell people and went no. <laughs> I was like, you mean people's sense? <laughs> oh, cedar and citrus. No, I don't smell people. Like, I don't pick on people, pick up on, you know, that's not true. That's not true. I think people do have a certain scent. I don't know what it is. But, like, you go to someone's house, it smells different than your house. I don't mean a house. I mean a human. Yeah. like You can smell yeah, humans? Yeah, I can. Actually, I now that I humans. think about it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> then I can be jealous of you. Not all the time. Like, uh, my friend Jeff, he smells like his house. He really? always has. Yes. That's weird. And he's, like, the only one I can remember it on. Yeah. Probably because his dad used too much fabric softener. Or he did. I don't know. I feel like some people do, like, have more permeable. My Uncle Bob has a smell. Really? Yeah. Like, it's it's whatever fabric softener my aunt uses. Huh. But doesn't she, like, buy whatever's on sale? Or she only buys that one kind? I don't know, but his clothes always smell the same. Huh. That's weird to me. Now, and now I, I wouldn't smell I want, him. Because... I want his scent. 
I want a distinctive I, Like if I was with him now I wouldn't smell him. You but wouldn't? like when I was younger and we would wrestle, I would smell him. But now I wouldn't. Oh, because you're not getting as close? Yeah. So if you hugged him, you wouldn't smell like Probably I would. Okay. Um But what about like when you dated women, like and they wore a perfume that you They liked? smelled like their house to me. They smelled like their house or apartment. Okay. Whatever their apartment smelled like, that's what they smelled like. Well, apartments, and you often say, it smells like a girl's apartment in here. (laughs) 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 Which Um, is good, as opposed to a guy's apartment smells like ass. Oh, I, (laughs) I think women's apartments, like college age women. They smell better than... College age guys' apartments. I have not been in a lot of college age guys' apartments. They smell like but the shit. women's always smell like Bath and Body Works body smell. That's splash. what they smell like. Okay, I hate that smell. That's what a girl's apartment smells like. Okay. But you don't think, like, you've never, like, you know, I don't know, just breathing in the scent of. No. Okay. No, not that, like, no. As someone who really, like, I am, like, desperate, I desperately crave smell. I don't either. Which is why I wear perfume. Or, like, like now I wear men's cologne. And What? The, well, it's like. You wear my cologne? No, I don't, I don't wear your wear. cologne. I don't wear any cologne. I wear my own men's cologne, which is kind of just... Like, it doesn't really have a gender. It's um, by the fireside, by Maison, something or other. But it just smells like a fireplace. Oh, I got you that. Yeah. It smells like a fireplace. Yeah. And I want to smell like a fireplace, like sooty and fiery. I don't I, I don't wear the cedar men's, men's cologne. What is uh, David from Schitt's Creek wears? Uh, His knits. <laughs> Cedar chest for his nits. Yeah, but he's like, uh, I had a, I had a, I once had a cologne that was. Uh, I don't remember a that. car crashing into a cedar forest. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> so when Stevie's like, "How do you know that wood is cedar?" Oh, I, I once had a cologne that was car crashing into a cedar forest. Um. So anyway, I get really jealous when I hear when I. When I hear, when I read descriptions of like senses in these books, and you're a very sensory person, I, I am. am not a yes, sensory person, I so am. I understand where you're coming from. But you'd think, being a sensory lover, yeah, I would be a sensory partaker, and I am not. No, like, the, everything falls short. And so, when I read these things in a book, part of me is like, that's stupid, nobody can smell that. Nobody can smell that. Nobody can taste. Skin tastes like skin. Like, it's kind of gross. Like, I don't know. I think of like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. All right, I had one more. Okay. She was going to gut James like a toad. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What the heck are you talking about? You're going to gut him like a toad? Okay, <laughs> I will answer that she didn't want to be cliche and say gut him like a fish 
And so she changed it to be quirky, and that didn't work for you. (laughs) (laughs) I literally, I read this like, what the fuck is she talking about? Like, gutted like a toad. I've never gutted a toad before. (laughs) Have you gutted anything before? Yeah, fish. You have gutted a fish? Yeah, a lot of them. Why? Because we used to go deep sea fishing with the Boy Scouts all the time. Oh. I would catch a fish. I would gut them, but I wouldn't eat them because I don't like fish. (laughs) (laughs) I like catching them and cutting them open. Yeah. But I didn't like eating them. Hmm. (laughs) I gutted a shark in uh, high school for Mm. marine biology class. I gutted a rat. So still not an expression I would use. No, gut him like a rat. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you see, these are nitpicky things on my part. Yes, it doesn't matter. I am surprised that you like you even picked up on the fact that she wanted to. What is it? Lick his delectable skin. That's in like that's par for the course in romance novels. Yeah. It's in all of them. I've probably even written that because it's so like you just need to you need to have it in there somewhere. I just what? Who says that? Like out loud. She says it out loud. I think yeah, she it was quoted. I wanna like lick your delectable skin. Like <laughs> Alright, we gotta break up now. Cause that was weird. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Are you gonna eat me? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I just imagine when I come across something like that, I just think it's it's got to be said in some kind of way that's sexier it's than just... I can imagine it. So I'm gonna just leave that alone. But. Uh... Yeah, I, I I just that is not a fault of the book. That's, no, 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 no. I just a, imagine like a genre expectation. I just imagine myself in his position hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do I even say to that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> This is why we're not very romantic people. (laughs) (laughs) What worked for you? What didn't work for you? The opening didn't work for me. And I didn't even say what worked for me. (laughs) Oh, Um, sorry, Angie. The side character, Gustavo, I just I I thought he was kind of thrown in there to cause some conflict. Yeah. I thought he was stupid. Like his whole reason for existence was to like catch them doing bad things and fraternizing, which didn't make sense. Like you can just not say anything. He kind of, who did he remind me of? He reminded me of, um, what's that guy's name? Armisen. What's his first name? Fred. Fred Armisen. Really? I was no, picturing... no, 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 no. Okay. Fred Armisen on Parks and Rec when he was <laughs> from Colombia or Venezuela. Oh. Went, you go through jail. <laughs> he just reminded me of that guy. Oh, I was picturing the guy, the stripper guy from The Proposal. Also, I was going to say, also, 
Oscar Ramirez character in the yeah. proposal. Like, yes, you go to jail. Yeah. Oh, that's... you talk to you talk to a guest. You go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> you overcooked a fish. You go to jail. <laughs> well, I don't know that, but yeah, I I don't like him. And then at the end, like he insists he see what's going on in her bathroom when he hears something get knocked over. Like, yeah, who does uh, that? That's my bathroom and the soap so, slipped for all you care. Exactly. I I just, I thought that was a little contrived. Fine, whatever. We are reading fiction. Yeah. There are, the whole book is contrived because it is fiction. It's a work of fiction. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, that Gustavo and page one didn't work for me. Okay, what worked for me? Okay. I was completely satisfied with the revenge ending. Yes. I loved it. That James was stealing her ideas, wasn't going to give her a promotion so he can keep harvesting her ideas from her. Yeah. And keep telling her she was shit. Yeah. But keep coming with those ideas, you shitty little asshole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they like the head of the company set him up to get fired. Yeah, that was that great. was delicious. Yeah, <laughs> delectable. Delectable. Oh, how did I even miss that? <laughs> that was delectable. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, I was gonna say my favorite part is the the rallying at the end. Like when all the people that like that she had supported and had supported each other in this company yeah. like rallied yeah. like for her and they just all like, What do you need? I'm here to I will do whatever it takes and let's get this done. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of that. I yeah. I, I just love revenge. <laughs> I love a rally. I love revenge. That's why I love John Wick. I love revenge as well. <laughs> just- because you can't do it in real life. No. You can't get revenge in real life. No, you, you can't just move on people. with your life. But this is like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Your life is ruined, bitch. Yeah. Your kid has to drop out of school and be homeless now because of me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And even though I don't feel like she deserved the position, I feel like she will do whatever it takes to. To make it work. To make it work. Yeah, I don't think she'll be happy in it. I don't think that's what she really wants. I do. Mm, we'll see. I think she- <laughs> No, we won't. <laughs> no, I think that is I think it's a good position for her. I just think she's a little young and emotionally she doesn't deserve it because of how, how much she how poorly she treated Graham throughout the whole book. Mm-hmm. Um and oh, and what worked for me is like him picking up her, her postcard from that from the barrel. Yeah, and he hand delivers it to her. I really loved that he showed up. Oh, you knew like, it was coming. I was well. I mean, they hadn't had sex, so he needs to be in the same <laughs> room at some point. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Like he got the promotion. She knew she couldn't continue working there. And, like, she didn't even just not get the promotion. She was told, like, your per- like your performance, your proposal was such crap. Like, you, like, don't even deserve to be in this, in, like, my line of vision. Yeah. Well, 
in not for nothing mm-hmm. when she came up with this like philanthropy idea mm-hmm. <laughs> like to for marketing i was like her boss is gonna hate this what that's this what is not thinking. gonna make money like, i know that's what I... do you know what country you live in that's what i was <laughs> that's what i was thinking too i was like of course josh josh this is about wellness that might get people to buy cruises the point is to buy cruises like now you're changing the thing to like save animals. Yeah, That's... you got lucky that the head head boss is also into that. Yeah, but I was thinking like this shit ain't gonna work. No, I know. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> you can get blown out of the water with I this. <laughs> I mean, great idea, like excellent idea for conservation, which I love. Yeah, and like raising money for it for research, but for a company that's wants to make a profit what are you doing <laughs> like you're especially, not <laughs> especially like the whole point was to like was these people are going on this cruise that they had saved up for for 30 years that one woman that was a science teacher yeah she saved up for it her whole life and now she's going to be asked to save the animals that like like now she's going to be guilted into giving even more money away that she doesn't have Right. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed... But, I mean, it worked out for her. It did. But I was thinking, like, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, you just gave Graham the win. Good job. Yeah. All right. But she had nothing. <laughs> she had nothing. She still had nothing. She got lucky. I know. And she got lucky that that dick was stealing her ideas and she got lucky that graham is not gonna be like oh okay so you went over me with your your idea that was also okay just as okay as mine and now you're my boss's boss's boss yeah i can't believe he was okay with that i but he was he's the perfect guy so he had to be okay with it and really all he wanted was the to be in marketing and near her yeah so he would be okay with it fine <laughs> i mean to me that was like a i'm writing this feminist book blah 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 yeah does that does that go along the lines of that video we watched on youtube like when they talk about michael sarah getting like put on a leash by his girlfriend and walked around no is that I don't is this so. different this is different this is this could Graham... not literally put on a leash <laughs> yeah that's yeah um, Graham is a strong guy. Yeah. Like, he's not, you know, a weak little weaselly. The reason why the Michael Sarahs are so dangerous is because that really seriously beta male type um, are weaselly. Like, you can't well, trust it's, them. It's the guys who like they're call gonna, themselves feminists exactly well i'm sure a lot of good guys call themselves feminists too but i think some of those guys are doing it to weasel their way into a woman's vagina and those guys are it's kind of it's worse because you think that you know them being physically smaller or them being you know making themselves smaller somehow emotionally or like just not trying to show their strength 
they think they're getting on your good side, but really they're just trying to get, they're trying to take advantage of you. But Graham is not that. Okay. Graham has always been strong. He knows who he is. He knows what he wants. He goes after what he wants. And he's okay. Like, he doesn't crave power. I think Ah. that's... I think that's... um, He craves greatness. He does. He just wants to be great at what he does. He just wants to be great in this marketing position. She she craves power. She craves power. <laughs> right. Which I also thought was really interesting. She's kind of an unlikable female ha- character, which I like. I think it's like, I think she's really fully developed. That's another reason why this book is great. And he's fully developed as well. He's just, he seems like just a laid back, good person. But he's not like a saint. You don't, you're not like scared to do anything wrong around him. Yeah. Well, and that, that leads into the next, that's a good segue to the next part. Okay. Did you relate to anyone in the book? I related to Graham a lot. Yeah. I don't know. You don't see it? I don't see you going after what you want. Well, I don't know what I want, so. I don't see... Well, I mean, yeah, I do. I want to do a podcast. We're doing it. Oh, I meant with me, mostly. Oh. I feel like we just kind of, what, ended up together. Like, I don't feel like you ever, like, like, said you are what I want. Like, I never had that moment of, like, feeling like I was wanted and, like, pursued. So, and that's what I like about Graham. So missing that essential element for me yeah. makes you not like Graham. But I can see it in other ways. Yeah. I was thinking of like the hockey part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, theme, situation, no, no, no. I don't relate with any of that. Yeah. Uh, What about you? No, I don't relate to anyone. All right. I don't understand people who think like Henley. Like, she's, well, I can tell you why. It's because she is very neurotypical. Yeah. Like, this is the most neurotypical character I think we've ever read. She's just so on point all the time she doesn't she doesn't make mistakes it's like she has her agenda she always does what's on her agenda like she has no problem like stretching her her budget out to like so that her measly salary covers all of her needs it's not a trait of adhd (laughs) no or dyslexia or anything um she's like you know she has her like really micromanaging emails like she's just really like she works how your brain like 90 percent of people's brains work and my brain doesn't work like hers like thinking in logical strategic steps to get where I need to go. Like, I don't think like that. So I don't relate to her. And Graham is also very, 
neurotypical mm-hmm. and they're good together. Can you imagine her with like a Joshua Templeman or uh or the guy from Eve Brown? Eve Brown. I forgot his I name. Could, yeah, probably with like, him. No. They would eat each other alive. Like she would nitpick him to death and micromanage him and tell him that everything he thought, his whole entire thought process was incorrect. And he would just be like, fuck you, bitch. Like, get the hell out of my hotel. Yeah, maybe. Like, who are you to tell me what to do? All right. The book boner level. Uh, This is a tough one for that. This is a slow burn. It's a very slow burn to almost no burn. For me, no, it was it was a it was slow. Like the whole like I think the reason I read it in a day, I was like, when are they gonna have sex? So it's just like going through to try to get to the sex scene. Like when are they gonna like? Because the sex scene is not about like it's not about reading sex. It's about like this is how they show their love for each other for the first time. Yeah, I thought it was gonna happen at fifty percent. I was like, okay, well maybe it's oh. They they look like they might kiss. Nope. Okay, maybe to eighty percent. Nope. Okay, ninety percent, and it's like, uh, that wasn't really a sex scene. But at least they got together at the end. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I I'm not somebody who needs sex. But you it's like just, that? What you like that build up? <clears throat> I I do love a build up. I think you need. I need to. You need to build the sexual attention. And it doesn't, uh, yeah, at some point you need to build or rebuild sexual tension. There needs to be a period of abstinence for me to like, to like a book. So So, what's your level? So book boner level, like eight. Eight? Yeah. Okay. Scoville level, bell pepper. Bell pepper. But that's how those levels can be, you know, incongruous. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to leave this question to you from now on because I really have no idea how to gauge it. If it's not turning you on, then you, yeah, none of them that's do. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't read it like assignments. I do like these books, but. No, like it's always doesn't. Yeah. What? I just don't know how. Like, how can you read about I... two people falling in love and not, not like, be so excited for them? I and, don't know. Like, can't wait for them to like you know consummate their love for each other. I don't know. I don't know how you can do that. <laughs> oh no, I just don't. Yeah, I like the story. I like that too. I don't know. This is going to be a you question every week because I, I'll try, but it's always like low for me. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's me. All right. It's probably the fact that you're a dude. You think so? (laughs) I have nothing else this week. Do you have anything else? No. Well, with that, we thank you for listening. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.